Hey, everybody. Welcome to Rock Bottom Syndicate. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. Rock Bottom is about people who have a story to tell, to inspire and help lift up others because they've hit rock bottom. They've told us their story. They've asked for help. They've done what they need. And uh, hearing those stories will help you see you can do it too. In this episode, I have my new friend and colleague, Stan Ward, Stanley J. Ward. Um, all his information is in his show notes. So you can reach out to him, stanleyjward.com, and reach out to him, um, get his uh, book, and, uh, and learn more about what he does to help people. Um, especially right now, he, uh, his book is about burnout and the faces of burnout and how to recognize it and what you can do to reduce your risk and mitigate. Uh, we talk a lot about small things you can do to help, um, not the least of which is a sense of humor. I really like Stan a lot. He is just such a great speaker and he's uh, he's got a library in his head. You can just see him access it as we talk. And so I really hope that you will reach out to Stan um, for coaching, for support, um, as a speaker for your organization, uh, you can't go wrong with him. He's wonderful. And what do we need more right now, especially you um, first responders and law enforcement and the healthcare providers, all of you people out in the front line, you know you're burning. You know you're burning the candle at both ends and you're doing it because you are who you are. Um, but you need help too and you need to take a break at some point, even if it's a small break. And that's what Stan's all about. He's really had a nice holistic um, story himself and how he learned to manage his own uh, health and his own health crisis through, which was a life-threatening illness, um, through um, getting a better understanding of how the body works and the impact that stress has. So we need you, first responders, we need you out there and um, teachers and all those people that, uh, that are still functioning um, at full capacity and even you parents at home who are there being everything to your kids and doing the dance lessons and the, the uh, teaching first grade and um, and all those having to reinvent yourselves and, and recreate a, a, a world for your kids to live in safely. You all are subject to burnout and so I hope that you'll You'll uh, grab Stan's book and enjoy this podcast and all his tips. Do reach out. Tell him that uh, Coach Joy sent you and let him know that you saw him on Rock Bottom Syndicate. I'm also going to share this episode on Totally Well because it fits into that podcast so beautifully and really interweaves. So you're going to hear um, total hear Stan's um, story also on Totally Well and um, and just know that it's a repeat of the same episode, but I think it, it's relevant. We really interweaved his crisis, his rock bottom with what he's done uh, to help people. And so burnout is the key word here. Hashtag burnout. Let's not, uh, we're, we're going to feel it in the different stages, but let's do what we can to mitigate the risk. And if you are somebody who sees some sees another person who needs help, do something little, make them laugh even. Something small can be huge and um, and making their day and just taking a little bit of pressure off. And we all need that right now. So stay safe and thank you for tuning in to Rock Bottom Syndicate. Hey, Stan, so happy to have you today on Rock Bottom Syndicate. Thank you, Joyce. I appreciate the opportunity. It's really fun to, oh, and for our listeners, Dr. Stan Ward, Stanley Ward, and um, you are a founder of the, tell me, <laughs> yeah, it's influence coaching. So I'm certified through the International Coach Federation for coaching. I do both executive coaching and life coaching. And Stanley J. Ward is your website? Yes, stanleyjward.com is the easiest way to get in touch with me uh, just because that has contact information, all my social media links, and, and a, a summary of what I do. And we connected, I think, on LinkedIn, but I remember you are an author and you have a book that was really relevant to me in my profession as a nurse, into uh, our world right now. Can you hold it up? Do you have a copy? Yes. So this is, uh, whoops, it's also a bill. You don't want the bill. <laughs> this is How to Beat Burnout for Yourself, Your Family, and Your Team. And uh, yeah, part of the journey for this book was two years ago, I started thinking about healthcare workers and wanting to do some coaching work there. And I have a PhD in leadership studies. So I started looking at the leadership issues that were challenging them and really found that a lot of the stuff just 
fed right into burnout and, and then began to notice uh, about a year ago, this idea of a burnout epidemic among healthcare workers. And of course, all that was before coronavirus. Um, and so processing that and then understanding as I reflected on the, the people I've worked with as a coach in leadership positions, the people I enjoy the most are motivated by both results and relationships. And I feel like that puts sort of an extra pressure on people mm-hmm. that can set you up for burnout if you don't know how to manage it. Very interesting. Well, I I have a feeling, and I know we talked a little bit before, that you know this um, this concept of burnout from the inside out from your own experiences. I'd love to hear how you got started with this. Yes, thank you. Um, so I'm also one of those people who care deeply about relationships and driven for results. Mm-hmm. And so I, I describe myself, if I'm not careful, it's like I'm a pole vaulter who, as I get up to where the bar is, I think, oh, gosh, if I can get over it, it must not be hard enough, right? So I'm going to raise the bar while I'm in midair to try to accomplish this thing. Oh, wow. That's yeah, yeah. Crazy. So it's an odd personality type that can kind of set itself up for burnout. And in the meantime, I'm making sure everybody's doing okay as I'm raising right, the, uh, the standards on myself. So. I'm doing my own work in that space. Um, And I really began to appreciate the impact of stress because of some health issues I had starting in 2013. I finished my PhD dissertation, defended it, and then one week later I ended up in the hospital with a severe bowel obstruction, uh, which at that time was a healthy 40-year-old male, running, active, um, and the doctor basically said, this shouldn't be happening to you. We don't know what this is. Mm-hmm. And that was the beginning of a journey of really from 2013 to 2015 of off and on uh, digestive problems. There were months where I might not be able to eat solid food, lost a lot of weight, sort of put myself, was able to kind of slowly get things back together and then had a second episode where I ended up back in the hospital with this bowel obstruction. And at that point, the diagnosis was not good for my, my future. And so some friends of ours live in Minneapolis, and they connected us with the Mayo Clinic that was doing some research on the particular uh, symptoms I was having. And so after two weeks of being poked and prodded by the best medical minds in America, if not the world, uh, my doctor sat me down and said, Stan, tell me about how you deal with stress. And I just thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Two weeks for this? <laughs> and so that was the beginning of a, a journey of some new self-awareness about that what stress does to us or what it can do to us, uh, as well as the, the motto of the book is self-care is not selfish. And so for me to reorient myself, to make sure I was doing some of those self-care practices and I admit, I part of my journey, again, as we talked earlier, is I have a hard time doing self-care simply for self's sake. Um, so for me, I have to motivate it mm-hmm. and think about, okay, this is about so I can be the person I want to be with my wife, with my kids, the kind of leader I want to be so that I can show up fully in the world. Because I know if I don't do these practices, there's a real consequence. Yeah. Yeah, attaching meaning to it. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, it's fine. Yeah, attaching meaning to it. You're exactly right. And I just wanted to say, as a nurse, when I hear you talk about having a barrel obstruction, young man like that, that's a life-threatening condition. Yeah, after the second one, we were talking with our doctor about it, and and we were talking about some diets we'd read and some different treatment options, and he said, he just paused, and he said, let's talk about quality of life for you. And for whatever reason, that phrase caught my attention. And I started thinking, oh, this, this is bigger than I thought. And so that's when we started to, to seek other options and got connected with Mayo. Wow. Wow. So all is well now with, with your health? Much better. Uh, again, I, I am wired in such a way that uh, – so on the um, – there's a, a thing called the NEO that – charts neuroticism, extroversion, uh, some other things. 
And so I tend to be, I, I'm one of those guys who's just in his head a lot. It's a fascinating place. But because of that, I, I can stress easily, right? Mm-hmm. So learning to manage that will, I think, will always be part of my journey. But I'm much healthier. I practice Tai Chi. I've been practicing various kinds of mindfulness. I make sure to get on, uh, I've got a, both an outdoor bike and an indoor exercise bike. The thing that's made the biggest difference for me really has been the Tai Chi. And that was something that Mayo had encouraged me to do. Um, you know, my joke about Tai Chi is if I'm ever in a slow motion fight, I'll be like Chuck Norris. So <laughs> I'm just waiting for that, you know, to happen. <laughs> oh, I love the pictures you create for me. Yeah, it's um, it, it, you're human. You know, it's a work. It's always a, the journey. And um, I know that I get very good at teaching the things I do because I had to teach myself first for my own sake, right? Yeah. One of my mentor coaches said, we coach best what we need most. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask something connected to that. Well, I wanted to hear more about the uh, – oh, I wanted to ask you. What has changed for you since hitting your rock bottom or one of your rock bottoms anyway? What has that changed you as a leadership coach or as a coach in the way you do your helping people? Yes. The series of challenges I've gone through in life have made me much more empathetic. So part of the part of the backstory is not only was I working on a, a PhD during that time, up to 2011. In 2009, uh, my wife's in a car accident where she, and she's a nurse and had a severe head injury, of course, lost her job, had to go through speech therapy, physical therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, the lady that hit us didn't have insurance. We had two children. Uh, one was in preschool, one was in grade school. Of course, I was trying to do my PhD. My mom uh, was living nearby. She'd fallen and broken her hip a couple years ago and or a couple years before that, and I'm an only child. So there were just so this swirl of things going on while I was trying to finish the PhD and, and get that dissertation done so we could move on. Uh, and that's beside the fact that I was, you know, working full time. So <laughs> well, you've made the point of this of this podcast, which is that rock bottom rock bottoms happen and they keep happening. And having tools ahead of time, like recognizing that it's life. And um, things are going to come your way, like the pandemic we're in now. And having tools to cope and um, manage them are so extremely valuable, which is why I'm so drawn to your book. And um, I'd love to hear more about what you what you learned and, and now have written about in your book to help people, and particularly the, the people out in the front line now, the healthcare, the law enforcement, the first responders, the postman, all those people out there taking yeah, care as, of us. As we were saying earlier, there's a lot of heroes out there. Uh, yeah. Again, whenever I see someone making a delivery route, I'm just applauding them because the reality is, yeah, they're getting themselves out there. They're handling a lot of stuff. And in a sense, they're putting themselves at risk for the benefit of just, just so we can keep society functioning. So, so many heroes out there that we need to celebrate. Yeah. Um, you know, as, as far as the book itself, one of the things I've, I've found in coaching, and I'm, I'm going to borrow a phrase from a guy named Marshall Goldsmith, who's a well-renowned coach, is what got you here won't get you there. Yeah. And so I find often the, the skills that we relied on previously for success can get in our way. Um, I talk about there's technical skills for leadership, relational skills, and conceptual skills. Technical skills are about just getting stuff done. Mm-hmm. And so those early promotions, oh, and I'll hit pause to say, I realize this may seem circuitous, but just hang with me. I promise we're going to connect it all up. Um, the technical bucket, if you will, those are the skills that help us just get things done. And those early promotions come because of your competency to just crank work out, essentially. Mm-hmm. But then as you move up in an organization or as you move into more complex challenges or what we might call wicked problems, these are things that don't have technical solutions. Mm-hmm. And so that's why those relational skills and conceptual skills are so important. And that's what been the focus of my coaching work is helping people in that space. So I say all this to say, yeah, if, 
if you're a doctor, the technical expertise that you have, if you're a nurse, the technical expertise that you have and your ability to work demanding shifts has served you well and has gotten you to this point. What I fear for, if you're listening and you're a doctor or a nurse, my fear for you or concern for you is uh, those technical skills are no longer going to be enough to help you get through the wicked problems we're now facing uh, because we're really in a space. It's not just the coronavirus. Now there's, there's economic considerations, um, just the, the various human dimensions of, of experience, the, the psychological needs of a lot of folks. All that is a big swirl right now. And so how do you navigate that? It's challenging because some there's such a shortage of people who can do the work. And um, we, so we can say, get more sleep. <laughs> we can give, you know, we can tell the technical things that, but maybe they can't. So how do you, you know, how do you, how do you mitigate the risk now? It's a di- whole different problem, right? Well, the basic problem is the same. I would say the options we have for addressing it are different, as you pointed out. Yeah, it's easy for me to say, hey, get more sleep. That's what you got to do. Well, we're in this space when suddenly that may not be a realistic option for these folks. Yeah. Um, So there's a thing called the Maslach Burnout Inventory that I think we may have briefly touched on in in a previous conversation. And it's it's a research-based tool for measuring three dimensions of burnout goes all the way back to the 1980s. So it's well-established, it's trusted, reliable, it's valid. Um, And essentially what it does is it looks at three dimensions. The first is emotional exhaustion. So not just, and I, and I phrase that as not just being tired, but the sort of it's beyond tired, Mm -hmm. uh, there's a place where we just become numb, right, from that exhaustion. Uh, Burnout is not necessarily wearing yourself out. That's different. Think of burnout as it's sort of like the difference between a gasoline engine running out of gas versus a car engine that runs out of oil. Mm -hmm. When your car engine runs out of gasoline, it just stops, right? Yeah. Doesn't necessarily do more damage to the engine. Well, you can run your car's engine without oil for a while because there's some residual stuff in there. But eventually, guess what happens? It starts breaking itself because it's run out of the thing that keeps it it moving in an effective manner. And so it literally damages itself because it's out of this sustaining source. That's burnout. When we move past being empty into this place where we're actually doing damage to ourselves, and it comes out on the people we love, it comes out on the work groups we lead. Wow. So there's emotional exhaustion. The second is depersonalization, which you could think of as cynicism, disconnect from people, maybe disconnect from a sense of meaning. And the last is uh, the language is lack of personal accomplishment, but essentially we're talking about ineffectiveness, right? So we watch for emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, and ineffectiveness. And to the extent that those three are present in a high degree, we're now in this burnout space. So, so we don't want to wait until we hit the wall, till we hit that, that third phase. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, And they're not necessarily linear. You know, one may show up and the others aren't so much there and those indicate different things. it's possible to have the emotional exhaustion and not have fallen into the depersonalization and ineffectiveness. And in that case, you're just worn out. Take a nice vacation. It's when all three are present that we want to watch out. Now they are linked because as as you can imagine, when you're emotionally exhausted, what do you want to do? You will often want to retreat. Right. And so I start to disconnect and I, and I get more grumpy and I put more distance between people. And I, and, and if I'm not careful, the stories I'm telling about other people become more and more negative, more and more cynical. And then maybe I become more judgmental of my own work. And so I feel ineffective, even if I'm producing the same things I was, I was earlier. I've got a friend of mine in law enforcement. I've talked with him before about his work and, and he says, Stan, some days I feel like I'm just throwing pebbles at a train. Right. Yeah. Okay. So that's language for, for that feeling of ineffectiveness. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Cause I noticed that myself 
that some of the things that might have just rolled off my back, you know, um, were were kind of hitting more like, you know, making I was interpreting things differently that I would like, ah, she always does that when she's tired to, oh, my God, she doesn't love me, <laughs> you know, or uh, really being more uh, sensitive. I don't know what it, exactly what it is, but definitely the intensity of the feelings were much higher with, with me in this space. So, so that's a sign of burnout or on that spectrum. Yeah. It's one of the things to watch for. And I, you know, that's, that is very possibly some of that depersonalization or possibly some of that ineffectiveness starting to show up. What I like about the Maslach work is it, it says that, Essentially, all of us are on the spectrum somewhere. Imagine a 10-point scale. So all of us are there somewhere. Okay. It's just a question of where are we at? And is it where we want to be? Mm-hmm. Or is it at a place now where it's costing our families and costing the teams we lead or the teams we work with? Because obviously, once we're in that space where it's, caught, where it's starting to break us because we're running on empty, it's overflowing onto others that's when that self-care is urgent. That's when correction is urgent. Actions have to be more drastic. Yeah. The hope of the book is to make people self-aware so that they can see themselves as they start to slide toward those negative states and then reorient themselves towards something that's positive, life-giving. So, so for example, for yourself, what would you, how would you describe the opposite of emotional exhaustion? Um, oh gosh, I, the words that come into my mind is energetic, creative, um, smiling, happy, um, not worried, um, you know, problem solving. Those are just some words that come into my mind. Yeah, that's great. And, and often what I'll do when I'm in the coaching space with folks is that's one of the things we'll start with is saying, okay, let's define what the opposite of this is for you. So for entrepreneur, entrepreneurs, maybe it's, oh, it's the first day of a startup. They'll say, well, that, that feeling is the very opposite of emotional exhaustion. Yeah. And, and then we start to look at, okay, let's create a 10-point scale. Let's figure out where you're at. And then rather than saying how to get you to this ultimate state, let's just figure out what what is one simple action we can take to help move the needle in a positive direction? Oh, I like that. I was going to ask you as you were speaking, I'm, I'm thinking, well, um, Dr. Ward speaks to, you know, some high performers and people that have a lot of pressure, a lot of stuff on their shoulders, a lot of responsibilities. And so how do you get someone like that who, and even, you know, a doctor now who's in the emergency room dealing with a COVID patient, how do you get them to take one baby step? What, what, what is that? What could it be? Yeah. Uh, so sometimes people are referred to me, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because of blowups, because HR is concerned. Mm-hmm. Those are not the ideal situations. Yeah. Generally, people are discontent and maybe they're reading my work or we've, we've met in a a meeting or a conference and they'll start to ask questions. Mm -hmm. So I'm a big fan of a change model by a group called ProSci called ADKAR, A-D-K-A-R. Okay. And that model says change starts with a awareness. So the first thing is they have to become aware. If they're not aware, it's not going to go anywhere. And so that's why hopefully uh, they're able to become aware on their own. It's not some external force coming and, and pushing on them, like, like an HR department or an unhappy boss or something of that nature. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, again, here's a classic story. So when all this was going on with my PhD work, I remember driving in the car one day and I was just angry all the time. I just felt so overwhelmed. And it's like the only emotion I had was angry. Um, and I do joke sometimes that as guys, it's like we have two emotions, angry and not, right? It's kind of our go-to. Um, but man, I was just thinking, I'm so angry, so frustrated, it's constant. And then the next thought was, 
And your daughters will probably marry somebody like that unless you do something about it. Ooh, that's powerful. Literally, <laughs> I pulled over the car at that moment and I called a friend of mine. Oh my God, you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I just, I thought, I'm just angry and I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm hearing some, um, I'm hearing some letting go, some uh, surrender there. Yeah, because the, the D is for desire. Mm-hmm. So I became aware, and then I had that thought about my girls. I was like, I don't want them to marry this version of me. Yeah. So I had desire. Yeah. So A is awareness, D is desire, K is for knowledge, and that's where I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. Yeah. So I called a friend who's a counselor so I could get on the book so I could start seeing this guy. So you surrendered and you asked for help. Yes. Yeah. And that's a common, uh, and you may even do this in your own like, health coaching work. I mean, that's a common question that coaches will ask is who can help you with that? Right. Yeah. Um, I have a leadership model that I call intentional influence and it's this idea of, okay, we want to have a vision. Uh, we want to have a strategy. We want to have allies and advocates. And so allies and advocate relationships are essentially allies are those who can run alongside you on the journey to help you get where you want to be or to challenge you just for fun. Right. Advocates are those who are shouting out on your behalf. Yeah. Um, and really telling your story, celebrating you, yeah. making sure you have the resources you need. Uh, and I do believe change for change to be successful. We have to have allies and advocates. Yeah. As we were dealing with my wife's uh, car accident, there were people who, who would call me and say, Stan, I'm going to go take you on a walk. I know it's not what you want, but we're going. Yeah. You know, we're just going to go talk. Um, you must have given them permission at some place along the way to, to do that for you, right? Yeah. Um, in some way? In some way. Thankfully, I, I think one friend in particular named Les. Um, you know, Les and I had known each other for several years. And his, he's, he's a pretty charming guy, so it's hard to say no to less. Uh, so, so that helped, right? Yeah. But you're right. Ultimately, I had to say yes to that offer. Yeah. And so at that time, I think we I let so those people come into our lives then. We let, you know, when we, we one of the ways that I balance out some of the self-talk, um, like I'm not always sure where it comes from. So I meet people like you and engage with you because you're going to lift me up. I know that. And um, whereas my son, who was a little rude to me this morning, is not. And if I listen to that voice too much, uh, it, and that's all, especially now that we're in this confinement, right, um, it can really start to play tricks with your thinking. So it's very important for me to engage with people like you and build my tribe outside my family. Yeah. And, and I, I, may I respond to that in two ways? You really got me thinking. So, you know, way one is in the book, I talk about these two voices I wrestle with. One I call the dreamer. The other I call the screamer. Okay. Right? And they talk, they'll, uh, you know, they'll talk to me. In fact, I'm just going to try to flip to it. Right. So I, I talk about the experience of writing the book and how these two voices are, are going at it. Right. So the dreamer says, oh, this is a great opportunity to make a difference. And the screamer says, you'll never be able to finish. The dreamer says, think about how great it's going to feel when this when the book project's complete. And the screamer says, there's still too much left to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the dreamer says, oh, the work is worth the effort. The screamer says, you don't know enough to write this. The dreamer says, you have a lot to offer. The screamer, others will criticize your work. Just going on and on about that internal struggle of the dreamer and the screamer. So I've, I've had to kind of create some rules and say, okay, screamer, I appreciate it that you're trying to protect me. I think that's the ultimate motivation there. Yeah. I want to recognize that. I value that. Thank you for that. But you're not the only one who gets to speak. And you don't get to have the last word. We're going to let make sure the dreamer gets his space as well. Yeah. And, and again, it, it helps to get outside of myself to connect with other people who can help the dreamer have his voice. Yeah. Um, I used to teach humanities at a, at a high school. And so it, it was a combination of history and English together. 
And when I was a high school teacher, I went to a thing called the Dallas Institute of, of uh, oh gosh, Humanities and Culture, I think. Wonderful, wonderful organization. And while I was there, we would do these just massive genre readings of the epic genre of literature and the comic genre of literature, the tragic genre of literature, and all these, all these different books and plays and movies. And one of the things I took away from that is the basic difference between a tragedy and a comedy is not that one is sad and one is funny. Fundamentally, if you look at the Shakespearean plays, uh, you look at modern works of art, you look at the Greek plays, the difference between a tragedy and a comedy is a comedy ends in community, a tragedy ends in isolation. Hmm. And so one of the things I also have to do because a awareness, right? Change starts with awareness is sometimes I'll have to ask myself, what kind of story do I want to live here? Because if I want to live the comic story, I have to choose community in this moment. Hmm. Great question to ask. Yeah. Well, that's what I've been figuring out is just to counterbalance. And I think one of the things I'm interested in is domestic violence, how some of the, in suicide, how these um, things that happen all the time in our society are, I think we're at heightened risk for now because of isolate, potential isolation. And so I'm hoping that by sharing these kinds of conversations, we can give people some tips and tools and resources and connection to, um, to, um, to neutralize that. Yeah. Yeah. Tips, tools, resources, and that last word connections. Yeah. I would say if anyone's listening to this, Go to stanleyjward.com. You've got my social links. There's a contact form. You know, feel free. Send a shout out. (laughs) Yeah, sometimes just having, and it doesn't have to cost you a penny. You know, a lot of times resistance is the asking for help or he's too expensive for me. But we give so much away that's free. What we're doing right now is completely free. You know, we're giving of our time. Um, and we're willing to do that over and over again. So I, I want to really encourage people to ask for help. Maybe I'm not the one that will help you. Maybe Stan won't help you. But we know people who might. And it, at least we've made a, a connection. Yeah, I think that's the beautiful thing about, again, we connected at LinkedIn. And that's kind of what got me thinking about uh, going to the web and going to that side is there's a social media, you know, click here to click to connect on LinkedIn or click here to connect on Twitter uh, all that takes is a little click and you can start connecting with folks and interacting with them. And and if you give it a chance, you know, you and I are both coaches, but in very different spaces. And um, we have so much in common, though. We have so much in common in our philosophy and um, our struggles. You know, we, we have a lot in common and it surprises me to see that where in the old days I might have been, oh, no, he's over there. Mm. Yeah. I think if you, if you're genuinely concerned for human flourishing, yeah, you're going to be open to connecting with people. Yeah. What are some of the other things? I'm just kind of pausing right now just to enjoy the moment. I'm just, yeah, I, think, I think that's appropriate. Yeah. Just yeah. let it, let it just sit right here on the heart. Right. Just, yeah. just, just bask in it. Yeah. Uh, oh, I, I want to ask you about speaking. Do you do speaking? Yes, I do conference speaking, and I like workshops in particular. So my style—I don't like to be the only one who talks, and so I do everything I can to make things interactive. Okay. Well, I can—I just the sense because we spoke before on the phone, so I didn't have the video. But as I'm watching you, I'm like, wow, you're such a good speaker, and you—you know—just the way that you you communicate and connect with me, even through video. I feel like you're sitting here in the living room with me. And um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate the, uh, that people can, can engage with you when we get back out. Um, do you do any of the workshop stuff now through the virtual? Yes. In fact, uh, I did two webinars last week on this idea of virtual leadership. Yeah. And so we looked at a lot of the common obstacles to, Connecting effectively in this space, you know, what are the things that leaders need to be aware of in order to be effective using Zoom or whatever technologies to keep their teams connected with each other, to keep them healthy, to keep them functioning? 
And so we talked about, again, the technical bucket, the relational bucket, and the conceptual bucket. Yeah, that's great. Are there um, other things that you wanted to share about in your experience or your book before we wrap up today? Yeah, you know, I think the biggest thing, um, I'm a little more on the introverted side. And so for me, part of the journey has been learning to value and seek community. Because again, I'm a very thoughtful person, very thinking oriented. I think that's what, what led me to want to do PhD work. Um, you know, but essentially, if, if you're just by yourself, you end up like the underground man. Um, my daughter's home from college, and we were talking about that reading, right? I mean, he, this guy's just nuts. So I would encourage folks, even in this time of social distancing, understand, and I saw this phrase the other day, this is just really physical distancing. Right. It's not about social disconnect. And anytime you start hearing that disconnect, remember, depersonalization, uh-oh, what do I need to be doing about that? So I think if I were to try to wrap this up, it would be some thoughts of be aware of what the things are that give you energy and please make space for them. Be aware of the relationships that you value. Please make space for them. What, and, and again, small steps. And then finally, um, I think just don't be so hard on yourself. We know from research, whenever someone's learning a new skill or they're in a new space, there's always going to be a dip in, there's actually a dip in performance for a time until those skills are mastered or at least developed sufficiently enough. And then you actually see an increase in a person's capacity. And right, this is kind of what coaching does. At first it's awkward and, and they may struggle in their relationship with the coach or something. And, and, but eventually they're able to move past that and they move on. Um, as we were talking before, right, this, the psychological ramifications of not having a lot of these routines that we relied on to help us get things done. If you feel ineffective right now, you probably should because the things that helped you feel effective before have been ripped away from you. Mm -hmm. can, can you give me an example of that? I know we talked earlier about it, but maybe um, an example of what it might look like for a healthcare worker now or? Oh man. Yeah. Um, like I, I heard a nurse talking on the news about going into work, but she's also homeschooling her kid. She's not a teacher. She's not a first grade teacher or whatever age the kid is. Um, making sure that there's shopping done food in the house. She's working all these crazy hours now. Like how do we, how do we help somebody who's in that position? They can't hire a babysitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can't go this alone. So I think starting with that coaching question, of, okay, who can help you with this? Who are your allies and advocates? I think yeah. starting there, okay. ho hopefully there are some folks that, can come alongside you. And I realize that's not going to be the case for everyone, tragically. And I think that's a lot of the reasons we have some of the, the mental health maladies we do is we become so distant from our ally and advocate relationships. Um, yeah, you've got to start there. And then it's just a question of, okay, what are the baby steps of self-care then that you can take care of? Um, you know, we talked again before COVID, the folks I was working with, we would talk a lot about, okay, it's sleep, nutrition, uh, you know, exercise and mindfulness were kind of the four things we'd really try to tap into. Man, if you're trying to just live on caffeine, I understand that. I also know that's got your amygdala, is going to fire up that amygdala. And so it's going to make this fight or flight loop even worse. And the fight or flight thing is what can lead to burnout, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, personally, I'm on half calf these days. Uh, not nearly as satisfying, right? Uh, again, who are the coworkers that you're able to enjoy? Find some way to get some time with those folks with the hope that that'll give you a lift. Yeah. I think a lot of us, right? Early, I think for our, our healthcare workers right now, uh, it, it's like an appliance where the off switch is broken, right? Just running, 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 yeah. running, running. Yeah. And so what do you do for that appliance? Well, you have to disconnect it. 
And so where are the opportunities, even if it's just 10 minutes of turn the darn phone off so you can consume whatever you can consume, mm-hmm. that's, that's something. Um, I like that. that. That's something. I heard with a person, another a doctor I interviewed, uh, she'd been in a, a life-threatening car accident, and she ended up in the ER of a hospital where she was the ER physician previously. <laughs> and one of the nurses was still there who she recognized. And uh, so the nurse approached her and said, so how are things going aside from this? <laughs> like she used a little bit of humor and it just landed right. And I think, um, you know, that even something that small, she, oh, these years later, this is like nine years later, she still remembered that little sense of humor, that little tiny thing you can do, or, you know, I'm imagining putting on all this gear and mask and like, you know, making fun of ourselves the way we look or. Yeah. Small experiments. I'm, I'm a big believer that small experiments can make big change happen. Uh, yeah. And yeah. Realistically, that's all we could. That's in what small experiments. They don't take a lot of resources. They don't take a lot of time. They're not high risk. And given how cons- how many constraints are on us right now in this season, I think small experiments are what we've got to look for. The- and, oh, 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 I also have this that i got to share. So a buddy of mine is a counselor. And when he works with people who are struggling with depression, he gives them this formula that I found to be really helpful also with the burnout piece. Look for ways every day to do something meaningful, something necessary, and something fun. I like that. You know, the fun can help with the re-energizing us. Yeah. The meaningful helps us reconnect. And the necessary helps push back against that sense of ineffectiveness. Yeah. You got me thinking about why um, those things matter. Like in the example I gave with the, the doctor and the nurse interaction, I think it made, to, as I listened to it or as I listened to her tell it, 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 it was an acknowledgement that you're still here you know, sort of an appreciation that you're still alive, you made it. Um, and that can, you know, it can be so powerful. Yeah. Um, awareness, desire, knowledge, ability, reinforcement, the awareness of, of I am still here, the desire to show up, right, in spite of the, the challenges. You made uh, me think of something else, too, with – uh, some of the helpless feeling that we have, like, I so my daughter has five kids, right? They're young, and um, I used to do babysitting here and there to help out, and I miss them, and I want to go help, and I, I feel so, you know, she doesn't need my money. She doesn't, she, what she could use is a break, and I want to help, and I'm, like, struggling to think of ways I can help, but we could do that. We could really get creative and think about relieving that sense of, of helplessness, which is, you know, weighing is contributing to potential burnout for me to maybe write a little card for the postman when he comes to pick up the packages or a tiny little thing might make a difference. Yeah. I'm even wondering uh, just to brainstorm with you with, with zoom and what it makes possible. Maybe you could have a, a movie movie with grandma time, right? Cause you can share a screen. You could, you can, you can show the video and your, your face can be up there. You could be. Oh, what a uh, good idea. I didn't even think of that. Yeah. You could be talking and interacting. I, I was a online educator for several years and still yeah. do some officerial work that way. And I've been really impressed with what this medium does make possible. You just, you just have to pers- uh, take it from a little different perspective. Yeah. Another doctor I interviewed um, said she has a podcast as well called um, small changes, big shifts. Mm. And she said the shift hit the fan. And yes. So, yes. Um, and so uh, when I try to FaceTime or talk on, I haven't even tried Zoom, but FaceTime, I'm getting, the kids are small, you know, so I get, I'm getting dizzy watching it and they're, I'm looking up at the ceiling most of the time. But I hadn't thought about the movie that I could, sh- I could put a movie on and share the screen and then we could have conversation watching the, in, the uh, show together. So it would keep them connected with me. What a good idea. Yeah, well, I'm I'm borrowing that from my wife and oldest daughter, who the way they bond is watching silly YouTube videos at night. So <laughs> after I go to bed, I actually hear them giggling. They that's part of what they like to do is 
that's one of the ways they found to relate. Well, thank them for me. <laughs> Definitely. But again, it's like being creative about what what could help us um, in life outside of you know the COVID and coronavirus. What how what we can do to mitigate to reduce our risk of suffering from burnout. Yeah, and, and again, it's an it's an active pursuit of those positive states. Yeah. Um, so th- I think it's. William James in his book on varieties of religious experience in America. So James was one of the fathers of modern psychology, uh, late 19th century. And he did this study on religion in America. And one of his conclusions was he found that more people were running away from sin than running toward righteousness. And I think it's the same thing with burnout. It's not sufficient to just try to avoid burnout we've got to pursue those healthier states. And so by actively pursuing them, that's what staves off the burnout. That is profound. I, as you were saying that, you closed your eyes and I'm imagining you have a library in your head that <laughs> you were searching for the right book and you pulled it out and quoted. It's like, wow. Yeah, there, there is a little bit of that. I, <laughs> I will again. I'm prone to spend time in my head. My joke is, it's a fascinating place. It's, it's yeah. a fun place to hang out. <laughs> well, you just demonstrated it there because I could. I literally had this image of you like climbing up a ladder to the top shelf and put it, pulling that book out. <laughs> yeah, and, and that yeah. When I close my eyes like that, it usually means these things are really it's the the hamsters are going overtime trying to find, <laughs> find the source. That's great. Well, I have so enjoyed this conversation and learned a lot from you. It just feels like the tip of the iceberg, though. I've only just got a little taste of it, so I want more. I've and you sent me some um, some samples of your book on the on the audio version, which I hope you do. You have a beautiful reading voice, and um, more people will hear it uh, these days. Although more people are not listening in their cars and all that, uh, but but that'll be back. So. Yeah, and at this point, it's uh, it's just an MP3 format. So again, just reach out. I'd be happy to share some of this material. I think I think this is a time where, uh, because I'm not a healthcare worker, I'm asking myself, what can I do? Well, you know, if folks are interested in knowing more about this work, reach out. I'd be, I'd be happy to send them a couple chapters on audio they can listen to and decide if it's something helpful or not. Well, your services are, are, are needed uh, desperately right now. And so I, I do um, hope people connect up with you and find you, stanleyjward.com. And we'll put that in the show notes. And, um, and I'll share, with, um, with, share about you on my social media for sure and call on you if I need help. Yeah, thank you so much. And again, thanks for being willing to have the conversation. Um, I'm a person who really has no desire to build his own platform for these kind of conversations. So it's, it's, if it wasn't for people like you who are generous with their time and their resources, uh, yeah, guys like me would just be, well, could, could be taking the tragic path as it were, right? <laughs> Isolation rather than community. But it, does it fit, does it fit into your why though? The reason why you do this to be able to help more people? Yes. Yes. Um, for me, it's the man, just the time management piece and the energy management piece. Um, so I started my, I've been coaching since 2011, but in this year I decided to go full time. Uh, you know, thankfully I had the foresight to become an independent operator about a month before a pandemic. So, uh, you know, the, the, the web building, the, the podcast building, some of the things that people talk about that are needed to be successful in this space, man, right now, I just, I'm just trying to get myself in front of people, provide value, uh, get the client base where it needs to be. So then I can circle back and put some of those other things into place. Yeah, we do. I mean, that's, I think I shared with you earlier, this podcast happened accidentally and um, some of the things I, some of the best things I've done and the most fun things have been just out of, you know, sort of circumstances, just the, the perfect storm. I think you'd be amazing on a podcast and definitely, you know, I would love to be able to attend a workshop or hear you, you know, give a talk because I think you're just a natural there. So, um, 
Well, thanks. I, you know, the next time I do one of these webinars, I will, if you don't mind, I'll send you an email, let you know about it. So I would love to, I would love okay. to participate. And I, I really am grateful for getting to know you and see just how, again, people from different little different areas can come together and have so much in common and be allies and advocates. Yeah. Okay. Perfect illustration. You are an advocate in this space with your podcast and you're an advocate for so many people mm -hmm. like blessings to you. Thank you for that work in the same way that I'm applauding the postman. I'm, I'm applauding you uh, because it is an act of generosity and you are putting yourself out there and you are using your resources on behalf of others. Well, I truly believe that the universe is working in our favor mm. and it may not seem like that right now, but um, sometimes this kind of disruption that we're going through now is what was needed. So I think you picked the perfect time. Mm. Well, thank you for that. That's, that's encouraging. We, I know the work is needed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for being a guest today on Rock Bottom Syndicate. And I'm also going to share this on the Totally Well show because it's so relevant to, to that space as well. So you're going to show up on those two um, podcasts and I really thank you for being here today. Thank you. It's been a delight. Hey, it's Joyce Strong back at Rock Bottom Syndicate and Totally Well Podcast. I'm playing this episode on both of my podcasts because it's relevant. I hope you enjoyed my talk with Stan and got to know him as, and love him as much as I do. He's just such a wonderful man and great speaker, great uh, uh, writer and coach and all those things that that uh, that uh, talent of of leadership is really just another way to look at coaching and helping you to reinvent yourself and think differently uh, and get into a creative space so that you can solve problems. Um, and that requires not being in burnout. Um, I'm here to help as well. You know me, I love to help. I love to be of service unconditionally. So if you need help, reach out. You know, there's always something we can do. Um, you can reach out on Total Well Coach. You can also go to Total Well Coach to my membership site. Uh, my membership site has lots of free stuff in it. And also, um, if you decide to become part of my inner circle, you'll get coaching. You'll get my classes for free. They'll all be included. And you'll get some deep discounts on some supplements. And you know, lifestyle, nutrition, sleep, hydration, uh, meditation, stress management. Those are all the first things you do. But if you want to have a little extra support and supplement, um, I'll give you some really good prices on professional brand supplements of all different brands. And so I'm not married to any one brand, but um, but I can be. It's one of my areas of expertise, so I can help you there as well. Um, so thanks for tuning in to Rock Bottom Syndicate and Totally Well. And thank you so much to Stan Ward for coming on my show today and, and uh, talking with me about burnout. And uh, stay safe, everybody.